lead her every day, living for messy action. This is the Lifestyle Leadership Podcast for women who want to be the best version of themselves while making an impact. And who are willing to take messy and perfect action to get there. I'm Jordan. And I'm Dr. Tay. And we are here to guide and empower you to lead yourself every day. Let's dive into today's episode. All right, everybody, we're so excited to introduce today's guest. Liz Winters is on this show with us. Taylor found Liz through a coaching group, right? Yeah, so she is actually works through my business coach and all of that. And yeah, just hearing her story, I was like, it would be so perfect for the podcast. And she is a pregnancy coach and doula. And I'm just so excited for you guys to hear this. I mean, I found value out of it, not even having had kids, you know, and not being in that season of life. Yeah. So definitely stay tuned if you are not in that season of life yet, but Liz is going to walk through postpartum pregnancy and all of the things that women are challenged with during that season that maybe we don't have as many resources as we wish we could. And she's the solution for that actually is what her practice is. So y'all know I am all about that postpartum season. I think it's so critical for us to set our expectations and have that support. And Liz talks about all of that. So keep listening. We can't wait for you guys to hear it and we hope you enjoy. Just as a reminder, anything shared on our episodes are not clinical advice. Please talk to a qualified mental health professional if you are needing more support. All right. So we are so excited to have our next guest here on the podcast today, Liz Winters. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. And I'm I'm just so excited that you're here. I am so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Um, So I am a pregnancy coach and a doula and a mom of three, almost four. (laughs) I'm currently very, very pregnant. Um, So I'm, I'm getting kicked right now by the tiniest human. So they're just like, they're making their guest appearance. Um, (laughs) And I, I support expecting parents in and having empowered BS free pregnancy and postpartums. That's Mm -hmm. like my whole passion in life based on like my, my lived experience through my first few pregnancies. So Yeah. So tell everybody what that means a little bit more if you can, because I mean, even as someone who's had a child, I'd never had that experience before. And we have a lot of listeners who haven't had kids. So when you say that you empower them through such a vulnerable time of their life, what does that typically look like? What so often happens with like, with, like once you get pregnant, like you read that pre- positive pregnancy test and like Jordan, I don't know about you, but what basically went through my, can I, can I swear on this podcast? Yes. I should ask? Oh, perfect. It's like, <laughs> holy shit. Like mm-hmm. that, that's what in, instantly goes through. And like, it's partially a like, holy shit, I'm pregnant. This is amazing. Yeah. And partially a holy shit. What have we done? <laughs> what is happening. And so, and especially that first time through, there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of unknowns, you know, we're fed a lot of this like Pinterest perfection Mm -hmm. and social media, like is both a blessing and a curse. You can, you can go on there and feel like, so not alone and know that people, other people are struggling, but it can also instill a lot of like shoulds. So like, this is what my pregnancy should look like. This is what my birth should look like. And really it's going to be different for everyone. And so what I do is I help people kind of tune out the noise and help them tune into themselves so that they can navigate this like really, really unique and vulnerable time in their life in a way that really feels grounded to them. So like so many of us as, as moms are expecting people 
like we feel lost. We like lose ourselves in this big transition because you really are becoming a whole new person, but it doesn't mean that the person that you were before is, has totally left the building. Right. And it doesn't mean that person doesn't matter. And so it's really about helping you stay connected to yourself, stay connected to new life and creating an experience that like you can actually enjoy and feel positive about regardless of birth outcome, complications, like all of the things. Cause we, we can't control so many things that happen in pregnancy and in postpartum and in parenting. Like, let's be real. <laughs> I wish there was more control there. Um, and really it's, it's about coming to like, accept that and knowing that at the end of the day, you did everything that you could to have this healthy, wonderful experience. Like and I'm, when I say healthy, I don't mean like I worked out five hours a day and right. ate all the kale, but like healthy, emotionally, physically, yeah. et cetera. What I find so interesting too, is like with my experience, it's almost like this weird position of like, you don't know what you don't know. And so I think that as society in general, it's almost like this lack of education that we have in the formal process. I mean, you go to a doctor that you, in my position, I really hardly knew them. Right. And it's like such this, and it's like just 30 minute appointment. And you're like, I don't even know what questions like to begin to ask. So you provide like this education piece and this enablement and support for such a vulnerable time in their lives. That's incredible. Yeah. I even think about it. Like, obviously I've never had kids. I've never had, I've never been pregnant, like all of this. And, you know, I talk so much about like the shoulds and being aware of that. And, you know, I've thought about it to some degree with pregnancy and, you know, all the expectations, but there's really so many layers to this. Um, and the things that are not talked about. So I have a pretty awesome group of friends who are, and I think a lot of it, a lot of us are psychologists, not all my friends are. So (laughs) we're very open. And I've learned a lot about like pregnancy and all of that, even trying to conceive and what a journey that can be. And then like, I'm always mind blown how difficult breastfeeding is. Like it doesn't make sense to me with like evolution, right? You think conceptually it should be easy, but for many women, it's not, you know, it's so hard. It's <laughs> so hard. Yeah. And that's what I've heard from my friends. And it's like having these conversations around this, this time period, I think is so important. And maybe it's interesting. We talked about social media, um, on the episode two weeks ago, but like this idea of connection, and it might be my algorithm isn't tuned into that, but it's like, I don't see a lot of people talking about the challenges of pregnancy that pop up. It's more this like blissful thing and nothing in life is completely blissful. So, yeah. And I think that if you raise your hand and say like, I'm struggling or I don't like this, or I'm, I'm, I'm confused or I'm questioning or whatever, like you're scared, you know, of the outcome. So for people listening to this, one of the things that we love to like reiterate is that you're not alone. Like reality of it is, is that if you're feeling something, someone else has felt it. What are there any like common themes or common threads that you typically hear challenges when you're, or maybe unmet expectations, stuff like that, when you're working with your clients? I mean, absolutely. There's, I think a lot of what we do is ending up is, is normalizing the struggle mm-hmm. and then finding ways to like find joy. And I don't mean that in like a toxic positivity kind of way, but like, it's just reminding 
reminding ourselves that we are very capable of feeling more than one emotion at once Mm -hmm, and feeling all of these things. So it's like, you can be in this really shitty space and still be excited to be pregnant or still have a positive pregnancy experience. But I mean, some, some of those themes that come up, it's like, I feel like I should know what to do. Or like, am I, I like, why do I not have that same intuition that I see that other person doing? Or why am I not living up to whatever standard that might, might be on social media? So like my background is in, is in fitness. And so like my algorithm is still like showing me all these things and like people crossfitting through their pregnancies. And that was definitely me through my first pregnancy. And so through my subsequent pregnancies, like that has tapered off because that piece of movement has been replaced with chasing children, and like <laughs> surviving life. And so it's really about like adjusting those expectations mm-hmm. and like, how do you navigate that? And I think sometimes we like, we expect that shift in identity to happen postpartum, like once you become a parent, but for a lot of people, like there's a real struggle around like shifting, changing body during pregnancy. There's a real identity shift that happens. And it, there's this feeling and it's because it's true. It's like your body is not your own anymore. And so it's like, where am I in this whole right. process? And like, as a society, we treat pregnant people as vessels for mm. new life, right? Like they aren't their own autonomous people anymore. I don't believe that, but that is how they're set up to be supported um, or lack of su- the lack of support there. And so that's, I mean, that's a lot of what comes up is like, how do I not lose myself How do I balance that gratitude and like joy of becoming a parent and stepping into this new place and also the guilt of Mm -hmm. still wanting to be my own person? Yeah, it does start so early on. I, I remember like my mom is like, I love being pregnant. I'm like, okay, Tracy, (laughs) I can't have wine. I can't bend over and do my squats. I can't fit into any clothes. I'm like, so you really do start to experience. And I know it sounds silly, like in the grand scheme of things, but you start to um, experience all these trickles of like your identity kind of just, you know, it's like these little things and it adds up and it it can be a lot, like even before delivery too. Yeah. I remember, um, just one of your stories, Liz, and cause it, it struck me, it impacted me of like, even pregnancy to pregnancy, you have to shift your expectation. Mm -hmm. And I think you were on a walk and you were talking about Mm -hmm. how you did CrossFit with your first one. And now what it looks like now is like getting outside and walking, like that's a win. And just how many, how much difference there can be within one person's own pregnancy. And so that really contextualizes too, then how much difference there can be across women's pregnancies. Absolutely. That's like, that's something that comes up so frequently because a lot of the parents that I work with are are second time, second time moms, Mm. right? Because again, we're told to like, just kind of, you know, just get through it the first time we don't know the help we need. And so often like people will find me during their second pregnancy and go, Oh my gosh, I wish that I had this during my first pregnancy, but then they get stuck in that comparison game. And at the comparison game, like you're saying, Taylor, doesn't just stop at like what everyone else around you is doing. It's like comparing yourself to your pre-pregnant self or comparing to yourself to previous pregnancies. And that can be a really, really hard, like hard shift to kind of move through. I, I like, I kind of miss that person mm-hmm. that was like doing really cool barbell shit, but I've also like had three pregnancies since then. And yeah. <laughs> I've like lived through a pandemic and like have a lot of life going on that's going to impact. And so what serves me best, both physically, mentally, and emotionally 
is like going out and walking. And like, I know that I can go back to that part of myself at some point, but like during this season, that's not what's going to serve me best. Mm -hmm. I think that's the shift to have to kind of work through. And it's, it's not easy. It's not easy at all. (laughs) It's so timely. Like what you just said, because (laughs) literally like, as we record this podcast tomorrow, we are launching a podcast. That's kind of, I can't think of the word, but it's just like, not your typical, like growth minded podcast. It's actually talking about like, what do you need in this season right now? And it maybe it's not to continuously wake up and put pressure on yourself to be better and better and better and better. Yeah. Maybe it's sustainment and like, you can still be the best you, but like that definition, like will vary season to season. And that is okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And even as you were talking, you're talking to pregnant, you know, people and all of that. And that's like what you do. But I'm also like sitting here being like, yep, that applies to my life too, you know? And, and that's the thing is there are so many seasons and sometimes we just have to show up whatever we can do in that moment. And we so often do compare back to old versions of ourselves. And a lot of times that includes a lot of beating up of ourselves. Like why, why am I not there? And just, yeah, this idea of permission, giving yourself permission to be right where you are. So I'd love to talk a little bit about postpartum specifically. Um, I think that that is like one of the most undereducated seasons in life. I mean, I did not (laughs) even realize. And like, as someone who I was like, I'm strong and independent and I'm fine, but I was like, so not fine. Um, so tell me a little bit just about like, you know, where you see society for lack of a better word, failing with this postpartum. And like, what, if you like had to sit down with a mom and really give her advice for like that postpartum period, what would it be? Oh my gosh. How long do you have? I know. I know. <laughs> I guess I'll, I'll give you kind of the, like, well, Jordan, you, you've been through this, but like Taylor and anybody else who hasn't maybe experienced this yet, maybe you can, maybe you can reflect on it. If you have, we, you know, you take the childbirth education class, right? We prepare for birth kind of, kind of, yeah. Kind There's of. a lot of air quotes going on. Yeah. Um, And I don't know about you, but like my childbirth class, I thought was great. Um, And it got me through the first two hours postpartum. It was like, and then you deliver the placenta. By the way, you deliver the placenta, if anybody else didn't know that. Um, It's like, okay, cool. But that was it, right? Mm -hmm. And there's so, like, there's just so much that happens within those first few days postpartum, but also within those first few weeks. And then the next few months. Mm -hmm. And so like, I come from the philosophy that postpartum is forever. Mm -hmm. Like once you've had a positive pregnancy test, whether that ends in a baby, amazing, um, or doesn't, you know, you are postpartum, you have been through this process in some capacity. And I think that's really important to include those that have experienced loss in this, because that is a whole, that could be a whole other podcast, but that's a whole segment of people and a lot more common than you think that, that don't get included in the postpartum recovery piece. Yeah. And so, you know, you hear like the, we hold all the doors for the pregnant people as they're walking around and we're always willing to do all these things. And then as soon as they have a baby, it's just like, mm. they're ignored and like figure it out. And there's this big super mom trope. And like, as an entrepreneur, you know, it's, I fall into that really, I fell for that really hard. Like, okay, I'm going to be like the mom and I'm going to run my own business and I'm going to do all these things. 
I'm going to do it myself. Cause like you were saying, Taylor, like I'm fiercely independent, like let's make this happen. And I guess the biggest takeaway is like, you don't have to do it alone and you shouldn't do it alone. Mm-hmm. And that's one should that I will put on people. It's like, mm-hmm. do not do this period alone. What that looks like, what that support looks like can be so different for everybody. You know, I will often tell people like hire help. Well, maybe that's not feasible for everybody. So there's lots of different ways that you can set up a supportive postpartum period. And really the trick to doing that is to start that process during your pregnancy. Yeah. So like when we're working with clients, we create birth plans during the second trimester. And then during the third trimester, we're actually, instead of focusing on birth, we're focusing on postpartum planning. So that's all like, we're taking care of your fourth trimester and beyond just to make sure that you have everything that you need to support new baby. Yes, absolutely. But also like you as a pregnant person, your relationships, that identity shift, like physical healing, mental, emotional healing. There's just so much that goes into it and there isn't a lot of education around it. And we're just kind of like left to figure it out. Like, good luck, have fun. Yeah. I didn't even take a class or read any book. I found out I was pregnant, totally unplanned. I now am married to baby daddy and we have two kids, but I was just like, it's fine. Like it's, it's fine. I didn't read a thing about breastfeeding. And I think that, you know, it was good in the sense that like, I had no expectations of like Mm -hmm. how things were, you know, air quotes again, like supposed to go. But at the same time, I kind of like did myself a disservice where I didn't like, I wasn't resourceful. And so even when they were like, you should see a lactation consultant, I was like, I don't need help. You know, I'm like still sitting there. So to anyone listening to this, like even just getting into that mindset of it's okay to need help. And here's what that might look like for me in the future, like is so powerful instead of having to like unlock, you know, your boundaries, like at that struggle point and being like, okay, maybe I should get help. So I think that's so powerful. I listened to a podcast when I was very newly postpartum this time. And it talked about how postpartum is treated in other places in the world and how they literally have postpartum hotels where you can like, it's wonderful. I mean, insane. And of course I think it's somewhere in like the Asia Pacific region where they, you check into this holistic healing hotel, they bring you food, like wonderfully herb, you know, cook soups and all these things for 40 days. Yeah. There's a lying in period. Exactly. And that's Mm -hmm. how important it is. I mean, 40 days at 40 days, most working American moms are, I don't really do math well, but probably back at work. They're almost back at work. And like, that's if they have like a relatively decent leave that six weeks of leave, right? Six. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that lying in period and like taking it so much slower than you think that you should Mm -hmm. just take it easy. Give yourself grace during that period. Yeah. It's so hard. I'd love to actually backtrack a little bit because, and this isn't one of our questions we gave you, but I saw this reel literally like just the other day that was talking, cause you guys were talking about birth plans and I'm just curious. Mm-hmm. So it was about basically this idea of for informed consent and how often mm-hmm. that doesn't happen during the birthing process and yeah. just being told things like you need Pitocin or you need, you know, to do X, Y, and Z and it's easy for the person delivering just to be like, okay, but it really isn't this informed consent model. I wondered if you could speak to that and how you empower parents, you know, when you are creating a birthing plan. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think it's so important to know when you're going into a birthing space, whether you're birthing at home, at the hospital, in a field with deer and a river running through it, like, you know, whatever you need Yeah, to know what is normal and what is maybe like the variations of normal because birth is going to look different for everybody, but that consent piece is incredibly, incredibly important. So no is a complete sentence, right? Like mm-hmm. you don't have to consent to anything during birth. There are benefits and risks to that. So one of the exercises that we do in building our birth plans is walk through, like here is what normal quote unquote, normal physiological birth looks like from start to finish. And here are all the, like the fun loopholes that were not loopholes, but tangents, maybe that's the word I'm looking for. Detours? Yeah, there we go. Detours. <laughs> that works. Here are all the detours that we can, we can take along the way, whether that is, you know, planned interventions, uh, emergent interventions, different coping mechanisms. And we go through like, what are the benefits? What are the risks? What are the alternatives? And then we like talk about like, what does your intuition tell you? And what would happen if you do nothing? So it's the brain acronym that we walk through with each of these. And so what that does is that you are having those conversations and that understanding now while you're still pregnant in hopefully a not stressed out Mm. scenario where you can actually sit down. Like if you're in a partnered relationship, sit down with your partner, walk through all of these things and have like in a clear head go, okay. This is, this is what I would want to do because you can see in birth, our rational thinking kind of goes out the window because we're in like birth mode. We're like in primal brain mode. Our intuition goes way up, but that kind of like rational, like decision-making process isn't great. So you want to be able to have that understanding of what is going on ahead of time. So that if you are in a hospital situation, this is most commonly these kind of things will happen in hospital. This does not mean it can't happen like a a midwife or home or a home birth situation, but most people are having hospital births in this country. So if you're in the hospital and they're like, I'm going to do a cervical check right now. Yeah. When that's not a question, <laughs> right? you need to ask oh, that. Yeah. And you can say no to that and you can go, okay, what will a cervical check tell me right now? Your cervix is not a crystal ball about when the baby will come out. So mm. like you can ask your provider why, like, that's a great way to pause, but you have that opportunity to pause in that moment and understand why these different things would come up cervical exams are like one of the most common ones, or we need to start Pitocin or you're on a clock. Okay. Understanding the why behind it from the provider standpoint, but also from like the normal physiological birth standpoint is really, really empowering in the birth room. So you can go, Nope, thanks. I'm good. Mm-hmm. That's also why having a doula or having a support person, that's not just you. And that's not just your partner. So your partner and you, you and your partner can just focus on yourselves, but having like a doula or, you know, a good friend or a mom or somebody in that room with you that can help and step in and be like, and ask that why for you. So you can focus on birth. Like there's a lot to focus on there. Yeah. yeah. I remember my sister told me, my sister has, um, we joke that she keeps copying me. Cause she literally, every time I'm pregnant, she's like, I'm pregnant too. Like a few months later really funny. <laughs> um, and she's my older sister, which makes it even more comical. Um, but I remember when she told me, you know, I think I'm going to do like a birthing plan or whatever. And I was like, what do you mean? I was like, you got one goal and it's baby out, you know, like however you need to do it. And it wasn't until my second experience that I was in the hospital and they did the immediate Pitocin. Then we had to do all these blood pressure meds. And then everyone was nervous because baby's heart rate kept dropping, dropping. Mm -hmm. And I noticed this like trickle effect And I didn't even have the chance to be like, why was I given that? Or like, why do I need that? And like, to your point, it would have been so beneficial in the pre-work because in that time, you're just like, 
I have one goal, you know, I have one goal survive, right? Like primal instinct. So I kind of came from someone who like, wasn't not, not a believer, but I was like, I don't really think that I need that. And now I totally see the value in like asking questions and getting a game plan together. If that's important to you before you step into that season. And that game plan, it's not just like one plan. Like we can all dream up our ideal birth. Right. And that's wonderful. But what is, I think even more valuable is going through plan B and plan C. Like, what are your worst case scenarios? So I, Taylor, I don't know if you know this about me, but like, we actually lost our second kiddo. Mm -hmm. And, um, so we, but we had had that conversation. Like it's not a conversation we had after or during our first like pregnancy, but because I worked in the birth world, I was like, Hey, this is a conversation we should have. Like, what if we experienced like this terrible, terrible loss? And then we actually ended up having that. My son was born still at full term and it was life-changing and awful. And just, I think that's probably why you were like, I don't know if you have three or four, this is your third or fourth pregnancy. And it's because I have two kids running around at home, not the three that I should, but my husband and I by chance had this conversation so that when we went through this process, like I knew what to ask at the hospital when we were delivering and I knew what was important to me. And I knew we wanted a photographer to come in and I knew to ask for like a cuddle cot and like other things to like have space with that tiny human for the very brief moments that we had. And that's not something I would have gotten otherwise mm-hmm. or would it would have been unlikely. It would have been so much scarier and so much harder had we not had those conversations ahead of time. So they aren't fun conversations. Like nobody wants to have that conversation. Like it's awful. I don't want to have it. Like it's terrible, but it's one that we even still have now. It's like, what if that happens again? Here is what we would do. Here is our plan. This is how we would ask for support. This is what we would need. And again, it's, it's not about being pessimistic or saying like, oh my God, it's going to happen, but ignoring it, ignoring that possibility doesn't make it go away. No. Thank you so much for sharing that. And yeah, I know I I have a friend in particular that I'm thinking of that I, when this podcast airs, I I know I'm going to send it to her, you know, just because I think that can be a really lonely and difficult time too. Um, I know. Yeah. You mentioned the postpartum period and there isn't support. It's a lot of practices in our country define it as like maternity leave means you Mm -hmm. have a physical baby. And yeah. So I guess kind of transitioning back then to talking about this postpartum period, like with emotions and all of that, we kind of talked about this already, but like you said, asking for help would be like the biggest, like, should you would implement? Is there anything else? Or I guess in general, opening it up, it doesn't just need to be about postpartum, but things that you feel you always tell your clients or you feel are so important that you want other people listening right now to hear. Does anything come to mind? Yeah. Um, like let people help you. So it's not even about asking for help. It's, I mean, how many times I think, especially as women, right. We're just like, Oh no, we've got it. I'm fine. I totally got this. Like, Oh, what can I do to help? Oh, nothing. It's fine. Even my parents were here this weekend and I was doing 5,000 things, trying to make dinner and like do something for my daughter's birthday and all these things. And I'm, you know, a million weeks pregnant. And my mom's like, what can I do? And I was like, Oh, I've got it. Girlfriend. No, you don't like (laughs) delegate. So again, like starting this process, if it's still possible, 
like during pregnancy, as you pr prepare for postpartum, but like looking around and looking at your list of things to do. Okay. To like make your life function both for you and for your partner. Like, what are the things that only you can do? Cool. Those are for you. What are things that you would like to do, but really you could pass off. So like, I I'm the only one that can go to my job, right? Like, sorry, that's, that's me. Like my lovely husband is not going to show up and help you with your birth plan, even though I'm sure he would be at this point, he's heard so much about birth that he probably could, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> probably could at this point, but you know, what on your list can you delegate? You know, sure. I am typically in charge of meals, but I'm not going to be able to do that postpartum or I shouldn't have to. So like, how can we delegate that? And what does that look like? Is that a meal train? Is that DoorDash? Is that, you know, having somebody come over and cook? Like it can look a million different ways, but I think having that delegation list is huge. The other thing, kind of going back to the identity conversation that we'd had earlier is I like to have, you know, my clients create something called a joy list. And this is not original to me. This is from Dr. Alyssa Berlin. I did a training with her and she's amazing. And she has you, you make this joy list and it's just an exercise that I've passed on to my clients. And it's you basically divide a piece of paper. I have to mime this out because I talk with my hands um, into four quadrants, activities I enjoy by myself, activities I enjoy with another person. And then you divide those two lists into free activities and activities that cost money. And so this is, and you go back to this list over and over again. So creating something like this for pregnancy creating something like this for postpartum. It's just a really easy way to like check back in with yourself. And these don't have to be huge, big, extravagant things, which is why I think it's so important to have the free activity section. It's like, I enjoy listening to podcasts, like bachelor recap podcasts, like call them trash podcasts. You know? <laughs> we talk and about like, trash TV all the time. Totally. <laughs> and like hanging out in my garden. So that's something that I enjoy doing by myself and it's free. And it makes me feel like me. It's just like a callback to myself. And like, I also enjoy like going to a coffee shop and meeting up with a friend. Okay. So it's something I enjoy with another person that costs some money. So when we think about, you know, self-care or joy or like all of these things, you know, it's like taking a vacation or buying a whole bunch of new clothes. And like, that can absolutely be on there. But also as a new parent, you get like five minutes sometimes like during the early seasons. And again, it's like a season. So it's like, what can you do during this particular season? They can help you feel like you. One of my clients the other week, she's like, you know what? I dropped my kids off at daycare and I was going back to work. She's like six months postpartum at this point. And I had 15 minutes. And so I sat outside in the sunshine and drank my smoothie. And instead of like rushing home to like get to the computer. And that was, she's like, it was great. I got to like enjoy the sunshine. I, again, we're in the Northwest. So <laughs> it's a treat. Yeah. Um, I got to feel like myself. I got to have some time for myself. And so it was really nice. So this list will change, you know, again, depending on the season that you're in. And I encourage people to constantly update it. Um, but it's, it can be really, really powerful way to connect with yourself. And it's so true. Sometimes we underestimate the power of like a walk by ourselves yeah. with our AirPods in, you know, like how rejuvenating that is for your soul. Absolutely. So, um, we have one last question and it is, what would you say to encourage a mom with littles already at home? Who, Cause it, it is so different in it so many different. Ways, you know, when you bring that baby back and you're in that period of time and you have, you know, other littles. So what would your word of wisdom be to them during that season? 
release expectations just, and that can be like the pressure on yourself to feel like yourself, to, you know, show up perfectly as a parent, um, to have a clean house, you know, whatever those external pressures or internal pressures are, do your best to release them and know that this is not forever. Those first six weeks are really at that like six week mark in particular. People are like, oh my God, how am I going to do this forever? It's like, it won't be like this forever. It will get better. And it's okay that it's hard. Like, it doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. It doesn't mean you're broken. It doesn't mean you're not up for the challenge. This is just a really hard season and you don't have to do it alone. I love and think it's so important to validate that things feel hard. And for some, it feels more difficult than others, you know, and I think also normalizing conversations around it being difficult is super, super important. And I mean, we know I'm trying to like pull up the exact stats off my brain, but like, I think they say 80% of women um, have like postpartum baby blues, like Mm -hmm. it's really, really common. And then, you know, but then 20% of those often go on to develop postpartum anxiety, postpartum depression, postpartum OCD, postpartum psychosis, like all of these things. And I've even had conversations with moms being like, okay, I knew about PPA and PPD, but what's postpartum OCD, you know? And it's just like, the more we can just like normalize conversations Mm -hmm. is there it's hard. And I can't speak from personal experience other than sitting across from people and hearing them share their experiences. It's hard. And for some, it's even more hard, but that it doesn't mean you're failing. I think it's a powerful message. And that power of, and right, because it can be so joy filled and so hard and those can coexist at the same time. That was a really hard lesson that I learned, but they can coexist. I'm like psycho. The first 12 months is just my favorite favorite sleep deprived, like season of my life. It's so hard. And it's like, so incredible to me. So Mm -hmm. um, you you can definitely feel both of those at the same time. Well, we would love to know, just tell us a little bit about, you know, where our audience can find you connect with you. And like, you talked about kind of what you do, but like what services you provide and what working with you looks like and how they can learn more. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, m- the main way that people work with me is through the Badass Birthers Club. So I support pregnant and postpartum people in that realm. And so we have different tracks and everything kind of follows this framework where we work on community and connection and co-regulation and collaborative care. So we take you through pregnancy into the fourth trimester if you're working it with us while you're pregnant so that you don't have to do any of this alone right? So we can go through like what this looks like from a nutrition standpoint, build out your birth plan, get your postpartum plan running, help you feel like you get your community and connection there. And then postpartum, we do something really similar, but it's really heavily focused on that, that co-regulation and that kind of um, return to normal, I'll say, or like establishing your new normal, mm-hmm. processing your birth. Cause again, even if you have like a most picture, perfect, positive birth, you still need to process that. And like, it's a huge, you know, traumatic event. Like it's a huge event that you've gone through. And so we work a lot on processing those things and then normalizing those conversations. And so there's a, it's a hybrid program. So you get to work with me one-on-one, which is really fun, but then you also get this like really awesome group support, which is, I think super, super key. I am mostly on Instagram because I'm a true millennial and 
that's just where I'm at. I'm on Instagram at Liz Winters Wellness. So you can find me there. Sometimes I jump over to TikTok, but not very often. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Perfect. And we will link uh, your Instagram in the show notes as Perfect. well. Yay. Well, thank you so much. Thank Thanks you. so much for having me. This has been really fun. We are almost done with this episode, but we want to leave you with tangible steps to apply this. We are all about taking messy action, and we would encourage you to embrace that with us. Okay, so for this week's messy action takeaway, we actually want to snag the joy list that Liz mentioned because we think it's so applicable through all seasons of life. Yeah, I think just, you know, if you are in pregnancy or, you know, you are in that postpartum period, whatever it is, or you're planning for pregnancy, obviously that is what Liz coaches her clients to do, which is so awesome. I love that so much because you're not having to like, think about it, you know, you just go to that list and it's already pre-planned out. But even if you're not in any of those, you know, again, seasons is our favorite word. Even if you're not in any of those seasons, I still think there is so much value. And I think about myself just slowing down and having that and like really getting clarity on what does bring me joy and how can I incorporate that more into my life and how can you incorporate it into your life? And what it does is it ultimately gives us clarity. And when we only have those five minutes, what can we jump to maybe to create more joy? Yeah, I think it's a good practice for intentionality. So as a reminder, the quadrants were, what do I enjoy doing with someone else? What do I enjoy doing alone? And then also a free and a kind of like cost version of both of those. For So for example, um, me going on a walk alone would be a free one. And then me going to Target would not be a free one. <laughs> <laughs> never. That would, that's never a free one for sure. Um, yeah. So try that out. We would love to hear kind of some of the activities you brainstorm. As always, we talk about tagging us on Instagram or sharing in the DMs because we love having these conversations. All right. We can't wait to see y'all next time. Hope you have a great week. All right. Bye y'all. We really hope you enjoyed today's episode. We love when you share your imperfect but impactful progress with us on social media. We've linked our Instagram leadher.everyday in the show notes so you can tag us. Make sure you don't miss the next episode. Hit subscribe to stay up to date. See you next time.